This is The Score Podcast. Welcome again to The Score Podcast, where we always speak to the most innovative groundbreakers and educators in the financial services industry. I'm Jeff Richardson, and welcome to The Score Podcast. Log on to any bank, fintech, or even credit score company, and you'll find a plethora of financial education information. It's literally table stakes for what we do. There's only a few companies that actually do it and do it well. One problem is that providing financial education often tends to be what I'll call the wrong side of the balance sheet. It's viewed as a cost structure and not a revenue generating function. But with the explosion of fintechs, that's all changed. Today, I'm joined by one of the titans of personal finance journalism, my longtime friend, Liz Weston. Liz is a personal finance columnist at NerdWallet. She is co-host of the Smart Money podcast. She's an award-winning journalist and author of five books on money, including Your Credit Score. Literally, she wrote the book on credit scoring. Her columns are syndicated out by the Associated Press and appear in hundreds of media outlets each week. Prior to NerdWallet, she wrote for MSN, Reuters, AARP, and many other places. She spent a career figuring out how to help consumers improve their financial habits and credit health. Liz, I'm so thrilled to have you as a guest. Thank you for being here. Oh, Jeff, thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here. So you've literally written the book on credit scores, and I think you've rewritten that book a number of times. And you were working on this information and credit scoring even before Vantage Score was in existence. How has credit education evolved and what are some of the examples of credit education like done well that's that's had a demonstrated impact? I think it surprises people today to learn that credit scores used to be a total secret. You were not even supposed to know as a consumer that you had credit scores, let alone what went into them and what they were. And this was kind of a deal between FICO, which was the leading credit scoring formula at the time, and lenders. So there was a company around the turn of the century that started making these credit scores available to consumers. And they actually, that got shut down because that was in violation of the agreements that lenders had. But obviously people started hearing about them from their mortgage brokers, from other lenders, and they understandably wanted to know what went into them. And the fear back then was if people knew how credit scoring would work, then people would game the system and they wouldn't be predictive anymore. Well, obviously, that has turned out not to be true. And it seems like the more transparency, the more information we give people, the better they're able to handle their credit and to understand how credit scores figure into various components of their lives. Right. Credit scoring was like a back office function. Maybe only some sort of data scientist that work at a bank would understand. But now they're ubiquitous. They're a consumer product. So what aspects of credit scoring, which again is freely available to anybody who wants to access it, what do you think they still struggle to understand the most? The thing I constantly hear is people referring to their credit score as if they only have one. And there's still this idea that it's a monolith, that every lender uses the same score, the same type of score, and that it doesn't much matter where the score is coming from. And as we know, that's not true. You know, there's Vantage score, there's FICO, there's different flavors of both of those. So you don't necessarily know which score a lender is going to use. So I try whenever possible not to say your credit score, even though that's the title of my book, but to say your scores, just to make that point. There are many of them. Another thing I think that people have trouble with is the idea that they can freely check their own credit, that it won't hurt their credit. Actually, in my book, there's a whole chapter on credit scoring myths. 
And in five editions, that's the one chapter I barely touched because those myths just hang on. That checking your credit can hurt your scores, that certain things help that don't, like closing accounts. Another one that constantly comes up, carrying a balance. People think that carrying a balance can somehow help their scores. So those are the kinds of things that I answer on almost a weekly basis, questions from readers or from listeners who don't really understand some of the basics about how credit scoring works. That's also the question we get a lot. It's sort of, well, I got this score for free from this website, but you know, I went to go get an, an auto loan and, and it was a different score. So what's the answer? What's the advice you typically give? I basically say, again, you don't have one credit score. You have many and they change all the time. And it's really important to monitor your scores, but to make sure that you're comparing apples and apples. In other words, you're monitoring the movement of the same score from the same credit bureau over time, that you are not comparing the FICO 9 you just got from your bank from the Vantage Score 3 that you got from NerdWallet to whatever you're getting from another credit card company. They're all credit scores. They're all a snapshot of how lenders might view you in terms of your credit worthiness, but they're not all the same thing. So you're going to see a bunch of different numbers. And at one point a few years ago, I went to myfico.com and I bought, you know, whatever it was, seven or eight scores from each of the three credit bureaus. And they were all over the map. And as you know, like the auto score, that's on a completely different scale from the 300 to 850 scale that most credit scores use. So it can be very confusing. So I understand why people are a bit taken aback. But over and over, I have to tell people, you don't have one score. You have many. They change all the time. Make sure you're monitoring the same score over time if you want to see how various actions affect your scores. Yeah, that way you can see the trajectory of your credit health and can take action if it starts to trend in the wrong direction. Yes, exactly. Okay, so more recently, uh, the CFPB's put out, I think, a notice, and it was sort of emphasizing the need for algorithms that are used for credit decisions to be explainable, to make sure that reason codes are available. But broadly speaking, models are increasingly becoming more sophisticated, and many fintechs have developed their own custom algorithms, AI, machine learnings, all the buzz. How do we help consumers understand what's impacting these credit decisions as the models become more sophisticated? And I'm not passing judgment on that at all. I mean, the world has to move forward. We believe, actually, that more data leveraging more innovation to score more people in a safe and sound manner is actually a good business practice and helps consumers. But we can't lose sight of the fact that we want to help consumers understand those algorithms. So what are your thoughts around that? I think the natural tendency is to retreat to, this is also complicated, consumers won't understand it, try to give them the barest information possible. I hope that is not the case. I hope that as these algorithms are developed, that the companies will invest in consumer education, figuring out how to communicate the most important parts of their score. As Vantage Score discovered, the more information you give consumers, the better. It doesn't typically lead to people gaming the system. And I'm really happy to see a lot of movement toward including people that have been credit invisible, including people that are more likely to be people of color, because that's been one of the issues that's been persistent with credit scoring is that, you know, if you have a mortgage, if you have typical credit cards, you're building credit over time. If you pay rent, often that wasn't reported to the credit bureaus. So that wasn't helping you build your credit. So disproportionately, that was impacting communities of color who are more likely to be renters. So all of these issues have been boiling for a long time. 
And now there seems to be more attention paid to it and more efforts on all kinds of different levels to include more people in these algorithms to score more people. The only downside I can see is that if information is being used that people don't realize is being used, that can cause a lot of problems. So if, for example, your score is using bank account information and somebody doesn't know what they're opting into, that can cause privacy concerns, all kinds of other problems. But I think the more upfront fintech companies are about what information is being used and how it's being used. And I think now fintechs are much more sophisticated. They're much more aware of the laws around this and the consumer protections around this. So I have high hopes going forward that we will continue to expand the group of people that can be scored and improve their access to credit. I agree, Liz. And I think one thing that underpins a lot of that is the fact that there's a lot of competition. I mean, there's FICO, there's Vantage Score, but there's a lot of other companies now. And we're all trying to compete to have the most predictive scores, but also to be the most explainable, the most consumer friendly, the most inclusive. And that competition is really driving a lot of improvement. Liz, thank you for what you do. You've literally helped tens of millions of consumers, and that number's probably low. And thank you for joining us today on The Score. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation again. Based on our latest data, some consumers in the subprime area and those that are younger in age are beginning to show some evidence of financial distress. Indeed, early stage delinquencies are up about 61% year over year for Gen Z borrowers as compared to 37% for the overall population. So if you believe, like we do, in a mission beyond commerce, and your goal is to have success both in business and have a positive social impact, we need to step in and provide education and support to these borrowers. Economic headwinds are only going to make matters more challenging, so the need is urgent. And with all due respect to Liz, we can't expect them all to pick up her book. So solutions need to be digitized and engaging. I'm Jeff Richardson, and thanks for listening to The Score Podcast. I look forward to our next discussion. The views and opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of VantageScore Solutions. Visit VantageScore.com to learn more.